Hello, good morning, guys. Welcome to yet another episode of Math Chats. Today we have Peter Williams with us. Peter has spent over 30 years in the variety of both executive and non-executive positions in consumer-facing business, spinning retails, leisure, media, and consumer products. Peter, would you want to say a little bit about yourself? Well, I don't know what there really is to say. I mean, um, I'm I'm very pleased to be here to do this sort of thing. It's always fascinating to meet people of you know your generation that are you know doing new stuff and learning new stuff because that's from where all the ideas come from. Um, so uh, so just as much as you're going to quiz me, I'm intrigued to learn a bit about you know what's going on here too. Right. Uh, we're very interested about your background. So like you have worked in ASOS and Selfridges and Boho. So if you could just like say a little bit about the places sure well i suppose it's fair to say i kind of fell into the sort of fashion world a little bit by accident really because i'm actually a a boring accountant really by by training if you like so after i graduated um, i worked for one of the large accounting firms um, and then i worked for a consultancy business and my first sort of step in retail was actually with freeman's which is not a name you necessarily recommend recognize today freeman's was a very traditional old-fashioned mail order business and um, Freeman's was then acquired by um, uh, the, the group who at the time owned Selfridges. And that's how I came to be at Selfridges. So uh, I've just sort of really gone on from there to a whole variety of retail roles. You know. Right, right. So I'll get on with the questions. Um, the first question I would like to ask you, you have worked in such incredible co- companies. Can you tell us a bit about your journey and your career except for working in fashion fashion industry okay with it sorry did you say within the internet business or, no, or just generally generally yes. so, so generally so, so as I said you know I'm not really a, a, a fashion person by training it at all I, I've always had an interest in it but um, I, I you know I didn't sort of start out there and what happened really was while I was at Selfridges I was the finance director uh, and uh, I worked with a very interesting guy called Vittorio Radici, who um, really um, did, led a lot of the changes that happened at Selfridges uh, in the 1990s. And um, when Vittorio decided he wanted to go and work elsewhere, he left the company, um, I was um, moved into his position as, as CEO. So, you know, no hardship. You know, I then was entitled to go and see the fashion shows in Milan and Paris, etc., uh, etc. Et so, um, really a dream job. Definitely a dream job. Um, so, um, I wanted to ask you, what do you think has been the diversity in your work and what has been the barrier in working in different sectors? Um, so, can you elaborate that a bit more? How, how, how do you mean exactly? So, Sorry. you have worked... Uh, your, your roles were like very diversified. You worked as non-executive, executive. Okay. So, so my, um, you know, the path I've sort of trodden is very much, you know, my early first up part of my career is very much executive roles. So initially in finance, then the chief exec role at Selfridges. And then actually after Selfridges, I ran another business that was in tax and duty-free retailing. So, so that was a sort of, that was where my executive life finished and then when um when i left the company uh, alpha that was doing tax and duty free retailing i was in my mid 50s and you know i quite enjoy work i want to carry on as, for as long as i can and you know people once they get to that sort of age typically are doing non-executive roles right. rather than executive roles so i decided to make the switch and that's how i came to get involved you know at asos and at boohoo uh, as a non-executive Right. So um, 
I would ask you that why do you think uh, what do you think about modern day slavery in fashion industry with the brands you've worked with also how do you think brands like Boho ASOS and Selfridges deal with it Well I mean if you for Selfridges it's slightly different because Selfridges is selling other people's brands if you like so um whilst they'll want to make sure everything is done properly you know they're not directly in control of what's going on In ASOS and Boohoo it's slightly different. ASOS uh, as you may know is sort of two-thirds other people's brands so the same point applies but a third of it is their private label and Boohoo is an entirely um private label business. So I think the starting point to say about all of this is is nobody ever intends to either break the rules or break the law or ride roughshod over people at all because to do that in the consumer space with a consumer brand is absolutely stupid because you will kill the brand. Uh, if something happens or somebody discovers something's not right it's terrible terrible publicity for the business and it's unacceptable and everybody everybody knows that the problem comes i think that 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 in in particularly in the um uh in in the sector that boohoo is in if you like with lower price product um that actually you don't necessarily have ultimate visibility over who is actually making the product yes you contract with you know a particular supplier that you know but it's quite possible that that supplier is then contracting some of the manufacture to somebody else and certainly what happened at boohoo and we had a couple of instances of this when i was there and there've been some more instances since was that you know we we contracted with a company we knew them we were happy to for them to make the goods but unbeknownst to us they contracted they they subcontracted the work to another factory and we were not happy with that particular factory so um there there is i think you know still a lot more work that needs to be done on all of this um and and i think you know asos have probably led the way in being much more open about this boohoo are starting to do similar things where they're much more transparent about who is making the product and where it's being made yes definitely thank you so much i think i always wanted to know about this because the brand these are like these are very big brands and yes. i always wanted to know what what the vis- visibility of these brands stands because that that leads our way to the fashion designing and yeah i mean as I, as I, as i said you know no, nobody would intentionally yes. you know employ somebody below the minimum wage or 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 do something that was illegal or estimate nobody nobody i i've come across in the fashion industry deliberately sets out to do that the problem comes that you don't always have complete um visibility of 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 the final manufacturer um and you know then if if that if you're found if if that's found wanting then you have to correct it right thank you um i wanted to ask how are you integrating sustainability do you think these brands are they have like sustainability standards or they are incorporating it in their I think I think this kind of depends on who you are. I mean, you know, some fashion brands, Patagonia would be yes. a good example. You know, have had sort of the whole issue about sustainability in their sort of DNA since they were created, really. And I think that is fantastic. And in the case of Patagonia, I think it, in particular, it sets them apart from um everybody else. I think you then got a group of people who are, you know, starting out uh, like there's a, a, a I don't know if you've come across a brand in the states called Everlane. um they have they have a store in Soho in 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 um uh, in New York and you know they're a good example of a new business they they started on the sustainability sort of tack if you like when they were created so so again a bit like Patagonia that's really good the 
the businesses for whom it's much more difficult are the um, the businesses that have been going for many many years and are now trying to, if you like, catch up. And it's not necessarily in their DNA, and it's not where they they started out. Right. Do you feel that it's important for a new fashion designer or fashion brand to start adopting sustainability measures in their uh, like brand? Yes, I think it is because I think that, that you know that's quite rightly the way the world is moving, and and um, you know whilst I think there is a um, that there is a cer- there is a certain argument, and I'm not saying I support this, that that dare I say it. Um, uh, you know, we saw this a bit at Boohoo that, that, that young, you know, young girls can be a bit kind of um, schizophrenic about it, if you like. You know, one, mi- one, one minute they're sort of all for sustainability and then, you know, that night they're on the site looking at something and actually all that sort of stuff seems to go out the window or they forget it or whatever. But I think, you know, fundamentally people are, are all, all brands will want to do the right thing. They'll want, to, they'll want to be consistent with what is the right thing to do amongst their peer group. Um, and, and, and that's why it's a good thing that all these changes are happening. Right. So my next question would be, are these brands, or uh, do you think are prototyping dig- digitally, like adapting with virtual reality or augmented reality, like having these kind of like next generation technologies in their brands? I think, um, I think that will come. Um, but I think some of these things, you know, you have to be careful, don't end up just being gimmicks. I mean, f- for my, from my own perspective, um, and I don't know whether this is right or wrong, but I could foresee what would be great is that, you know, you can load up, a, take a picture of yourself, load it up onto the system, create an avatar, if you like, of you with two dimensions, probably your height and your weight for the sake of argument, and then clothe it and then have the have the avatar move and, and turn around through 360 degrees and, and all of this sort of stuff. I mean, I think that will, I think that has as an example has a real traction if you like because the consumer sees a real benefit in it and it's also something that you can kind of see that technology can get there even with you know what's going on currently well that's really inspiring because i'm doing a a project in virtual reality and fashion that's my master's project and i'm trying to incorporate these kind of ideas in my project so it's it's really refreshing that you think that yeah i mean i think i think that you know it has to be done in such a way where it's not sort of seen as being very clunky. I mean, you know, I remember when I was at ASOS, and this was a simple thing, um, you know, they were the first people to show a little sort of catwalk um, uh, 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 five-second interlude or whatever of, of a model, you know, walking up and down, wearing the dress and all the rest of it. And and I know that, you know, that's really important, when, uh, you know, as it is for a man when he's buying a suit. So for a woman, if she's buying a dress, she wants to see how it moves and, yes. and all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that really helps me a lot when I'm buying off from ASOS because I see the fall, I see the fabric. Yes. And it's really important for me to know how the dress yeah. looks. That's why I think, you know, it would be a fantastic step if you can actually have you being yes. dressed by it, if you like, yes. without you having to go all the way to a changing room and get changed and all that sort of stuff. Do you think that somewhere um, substitutes the consumer experience when they don't go to the store or? Um, well, I think this is an interesting is an interesting question. I mean, you know, I grew up using stores and Selfridges, you know, if you like, is the epitome of a physical space. You know, I mean, if the lights ever get turned out on Oxford Street, you know, that will be the last place where they get turned out because, you know, Selfridges doesn't, 
you know, everything it sells is somebody else's product. So why do you go there? Well, you go there because the architecture is fantastic. There's a buzz in the places, right. hordes of people there. You know, you're just as much going there to watch what everybody else is up to and what they're wearing as, as, as you are buying for yourself, perhaps. So I think that, you know, that still has a, you know, there's still a relevance to that experience. And there still is a relevance to people wanting to go shopping with their girlfriends or with their wives or husbands or partners or whatever. Um, uh, and, that, and, and that can be a, a, you know, that is, you know, not for everybody, but that is a good experience. I think the online thing, what online has done is kind of smash through that and sort of said, well, you don't have to go if you don't really want to. And as you know, you know, for certain products, you know, and I've done it myself, you know, I buy a pair of Boss chinos in a certain color, and I might have tried them on the first time in the store, um, and that's fantastic. But then when I look for them online, there are actually sixteen different colors, you know. And I and and last year during lockdown, I bought you know fourteen of them or something, you know, just because I knew I had the fit, I knew I liked the the shape of them and all the rest of it, and and there was no way I was ever going to be able to either traipse around the stores and all the rest of it. So I think, I think that that that, that people. Um, you know, consumer time, consumer's leisure time is very precious. So wherever they see an opportunity that they can buy a commodity product in particular or can buy things online, they're going to take it up. So in my view, you know, all fashion brands need to be in both places, quite frankly. They need to have the physical stores for the kind of touchy-feely experience, but they also need to have the online trading environment. Um, so now I wanted to ask you, how do you see the future of re retail? Like, what do you feel is the future? Well, I mean, I think, you know, we're in a very interesting period. Or period well, we have been in a very interesting period for quite a while. Um, uh, and, and if you take the UK, you know, over the last sort of before COVID, in the previous 15 years or so, you know, um, uh, the amount of retail space in the UK had increased by more than the kind of gross available spend if you right. like and in the middle of that the internet came along and removed a whole chunk of spend that used to go on in physical stores and put it on the internet and i think that the 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 in a way physical retail in general was in trouble before covid now it's much worse because as you will see just when you walk around any major shopping center or major, or major high street you know there are quite a number of stores that are closed and they're either not reopening or they don't look as though they're going to reopen and you've read about debenhams closing and top shop and all this all this sort of thing i mean names that you know 10 years ago you would have said are the absolutely you know fundamental part of any any high street so i think that that, that there's got to be an adjustment and there is an adjustment going on in terms of the amount of retail space. I also think it's difficult because, um, sorry, and that, and that has to happen because of you know, transfer basically to, to the internet and what's going on there. But I think that the, the really tricky bit is that, you know, if you get a, in a shopping mall, if, if, if one or two units close, then, you know, they put a huge picture of a good looking boy and girl on the front of it. And actually you walk past it and you don't really really realize necessarily there should be a shop there on the high street because you've got lots of individual buildings with different architectures and all the rest of it you notice it immediately so what is in danger well, what is happening is some high streets are getting quite fragmented with you know shops being closed intermittently up and down the high street and what you really want is for for, for all the shops as it were to shuffle up to one end right. so that 
that then releases a big space to be redeveloped and recreated as something else. And it's probably leisure or it might be residential or, or, or it might be a public art space or whatever. You know, those spaces, um, you know, those, those environments need to change because otherwise you're going to get this sort of fragmented and broken up sort of high street, which isn't, isn't going to be very attractive. Yes, yes. Um, so now I would like to ask, what do you think are the next fashion platforms emerging, such as Depop? So like it has changed the entire uh, fashion industry because secondhand fashion. Yeah, I th- again, I think this is really interesting and I think we're still at the early stages and it will be interesting to see how the consumer reacts to this and how they behave towards it. Um, I think it will you know, it will definitely appeal to, to quite a number of people. I mean, it's always been the case that whether it's through charity shops or secondhand shops or whatever, um, uh, people have bought secondhand clothes. This is, not, this is not a new idea in that respect. What Depop is managing to do is make it a lot easier, right. obviously, and make it a lot more interactive. Um, which it, which is great, and then the other one I think that is really interesting in the similar vein is um, people like her, you know, where which is a rental model, um, where you know you may not be able to afford the Rixo dress for three hundred pounds or whatever, but you can rent it for a week or rent it for a weekend or rent it for a particular party and all the rest of it. And I think that has interesting mileage, and 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 initially some of those things will. Um, you know, probably be centered around the consumer. That's fine. But actually, things like the rental thing, I could see some of the brands actually engaging in that, really, because it would, you know, if they take a positive view on it, it's a way of, you know, getting the brand into the hands of, 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 of a bunch of consumers who maybe couldn't afford to buy the Rixo dress, but may be able to buy the Rixo dress when they've graduated from university and all that sort <laughs> right. of stuff and have got a job. But do you think um, this is somewhere taking away the, so like if I'm buying from ASOS, I buy it on, like I buy the new clothes, but if I'm buying from Depop, I would buy the secondhand Depop. So do you think uh, people might start using uh, the Depop as their actual platform and ASOS? Well, I mean, I think, I think that's inevitable. I mean, the other thing not to forget, I mean, the fashion sort of sector and fashion industry, I mean, it's huge, you know, and the spend is, is, is enormous. Right. Um, and I, you know, you're right. I wouldn't necessarily say buying on Depop is incremental sales. You're quite right. An a portion, maybe a large proportion, right. will be sort of substitution because then they won't go to ASOS and buy the new garment. You're right. But I mean, I think the industry just has to face up to that. You know what? 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 what and maybe I should have said this earlier. What I think is really interesting about technology is 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 if it's good technology and it's relevant, it forces people to change the way they behave or, or encourages them to change right. the way they behave and and you know what what's happening now is that the consumer's in control you know if you go before the internet the stores told you this is when we're going to be open uh, and by the way i mean when i started working in retail you know no shops are open on a sunday and john lewis used to shut at one thirty at one o'clock on a saturday i mean unbelievable um today and and the shops were in control they said this is when you can shop um, if you want to, if you if you want it delivered to you, well, I'll deliver it to your home, but you've got to be in all day, wait for it, and all the rest of it. And now, what's going on is that because you know the arrival of the internet, you can you, the consumer is controlled because they can shop twenty four seven. They can say, I want it delivered to my, my home or my hall of residence or to my. Uh, office or whatever and the consumers in control and the consumers understandably love that and it's a problem for the retailers because some of that 
brings extra costs. But this is just the way life life um, develops, if you like. Yeah. Um, so now I would ask you, from your perspective, what do you think are the next futuristic fashion approaches for the brand you have worked for? Um, I think it's difficult to to, to tell, really, because I think that, 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 you know, the arrival of the internet was a, a kind of step change, a revolution, if you like, a, a technology revolution, if you like. Um, and I think what we're seeing now is gradual sort of small incremental kind of changes. I mean, I think what is fundamental is that, that, that um, you know, through the digital channel, uh, a brand can express itself actually in much more detail than it can in a store. I mean, yes, a store is a physical experience and that's lovely and all the rest of it. But if you want to articulate the history of the brand, if you want to show a much wider range of product, you know, I mean, the internet is a is a store without walls and it's a market without any borders. You know, it's actually sort of almost limitless, really. Um, so, so that opportunity um, to uh, exp- you know expound on what 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 the brand is all about is fantastic and 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 the brands need to do that because if they don't do that their competition will and they will miss out because as your generation gets old you know graduates gets jobs gets older and all the rest of it gets more money as they you know earn earn, earn money and all that sort of stuff you know you've grown up with this as your starting point and 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 the physical stores will will suffer right right Right. I wanted to ask, what skills do you think young creatives need to have right now to look out for the present time, present time of work? Well, I mean, I don't myself come from kind of creative background, so I guess that's in a way um, difficult to, for me to answer in some respects. I think the, the you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, uh, and this is always the case, frankly, but it must be worse now, you know, it's getting started is, is, is the big challenge. And um, uh, I appreciate, you know, you end up probably sending a lot of emails you don't get a reply for or, or you get a rejection from. And that's really tough. But don't give up on it. Okay. Don't give up on it. Keep keep uh, pushing. And, and and one of the things we actually used to do at Selfridges a lot, and I don't know if they do it today, but, 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 you know, even if you end up through a Saturday job or through a weekend job or through a part-time job working on the sales floor, you know, at least then you're kind of inside, what I would say is inside the tent. Right. You know, you can see what's going on. And then you will know, you know, when they are looking for merchandisers or creative people to work in the marketing department or whatever you know then you will get to hear about these roles and you're in pole position because there will be somebody working alongside you and says oh i know this lady you know she's really good she's really keen to work for the store she's been here for six months already working you know weekends or whatever um why don't we give her a try rather than somebody you know no, nobody's ever met so do you think uh people who are working already in the place of work get more preference than people who are applying from outside? I think, I think, I wouldn't say it's true in every case, uh, and it may not be true in every um, discipline, but I think getting inside, as I describe it, always getting inside the tent helps. When you're inside the tent, you can see what's going on and you will forge contacts with the people who are working there. Um, uh, you'll see the notice boards, you know, you're, ju- you're just much closer to everything. When you are, you know, on the outside, you know, um, uh, um, not, not, not inside the company in any shape or form, it's much more, much more difficult much more difficult because it's good news from you know for, for a company like Selfridges it's much easier and safer for them to hire somebody they already know yeah. to a bit to an extent rather than cold 
calling, if you like, on people they don't know. Yes, yes, thank you. And the, we are going to have the last question, which is what message do you think you have for young creatives who are aspiring to work in these big brands? Well, as I said, as, as I said in answer to one of the other questions, I, I would say, you know, don't give up. It, you know, it, it 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 is a laborious, painful process. I know, and 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 often you get a lot of rejection, um, uh, and it is it is mud against the wall to a degree. You don't be afraid to use your contacts. Use things like LinkedIn. Um, because all the recruiters use that rather than you know they, they will go through agencies, but they they'll have a lot of their own people scanning um, uh, what's going on LinkedIn. If you're in a relevant course, you know talk to the tutors, any any contacts they may have. You know be sort of almost promiscuous if you like in trying to exploit any contacts you have, whether they're friends or family or your you know contacts through 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 university or or whatever. And as I said before, you know don't don't be afraid to go. You know. Go and work in Socrates at the weekends, you know, just serving on the shop floor, you know, that it's a start, you'll, 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 you know, it'll help. Um, to add on that, I wanted to ask you, do you feel that the fashion industry is a little welcoming to young creatives? Yeah, I think it is. No, I think it is a creative place. It's very, um, I mean, I, 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 I mean, I don't just work in the fashion industry, but I would say generally in terms of um, diversity of, 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 of whether it's male or female or or, or race or, or um, religious background or whatever, I would say generally um, retailers are good at that, actually. And they, they have to be good at that because if their customers are diverse, you know, and if they're not diverse, then they're going to block out a whole group of people. So so it's in their interest to have people from all, all parts of the world and all attitudes and all, you know, whatever. Right, right. Thank you so much, Frida. Thank you so much for being here. We are so glad you could make it. It's a pleasure. I enjoyed it. Thank you.